The following presentation of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions is from a previous broadcast and is a production of Take 12 Recovery Radio. Some portions of this show may have included promotions or giveaways that were time-sensitive and may no longer be applicable. To listen and download more of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, visit our website at take12radio.com and click on Recovery Workshops. I've got to give it up. The views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Well, greetings, friends and family, and welcome. And today in the studio, uh, besides Chris being on the phone, um, Mason is with us. Mason hasn't been in the studio in some time. Hey, Mason. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. We are uh, tackling the uh, fifth tradition, Tradition 5, uh, this week. Hey, Chris, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Monty. How's it going? Hey, Mason. Hey, Chris. Well, this week we're tackling Tradition 5. And, uh, Chris, you want to start us out? Sure. You know, uh, uh, Tradition 5 is incredibly important. And, you know, it's, it's funny. There are, uh, there are uh, a group of traditionalists, you know, some of them I respect very, very highly, uh, who are, are all about the primary purpose. You know, it, there's primary purpose groups that have that have popped up around the country, and some of those are, are phenomenal. If if you're traveling around, uh, you know you you may you may find uh, yourself in a different city, and if you're looking for a twelve step recovery fellowship, uh, you know, and it's called it's in the, it's in the meeting book as a primary purpose meeting, it's probably going to be really good. But uh, there there are some people who really feel uh, strongly in these fellowships, they have to hold to their primary purpose. And the primary purpose being, you know, what what is the 12-step fellowship? Uh, who, who exactly is it designed for? And, you know, what are we specifically uh, interested in recovering from? And then let's, let's stick with that and let's work with other people with that same problem. And then there are twelve-step fellowships, Monty, that are popping up. That I'm, I'm not saying they're not good. That you know, some of them are really, really phenomenal. That are that are less interested in uh, in a specific form of uh, addiction, and they're more interested in the recovery process. Uh, you know, one of one of those fellowships is uh, is basically CA. CA is a is a very very good. 12-step fellowship, but but just because it's called Cocaine Anonymous does not necessarily mean that you can only go there if you're a cocaine addict. Uh, they're very very inclusive as far as what you know what what you were addicted to. Uh, there's there's also A A and A, uh, a National Association of Recovered Alcoholics and Addicts, and that's another uh, that's another fellowship that's not really too concerned about what exactly you were. 
um, you know, you, you were specifically addicted to. Uh, they're more uh, interested in providing uh, support for and instruction on uh, the, the 12 steps as, as it applies to a recovery process. So there are some traditionalists who really, really hold strongly uh, to Tradition 5, but there are also 12-step fellowships that are less concerned about the primary purpose, and they're not, uh, they're not unsuccessful because of it. You know, so it's, it's, it's very, very interesting to kind of watch the dynamics of what's going on with this particular, this particular tradition. So, so okay, uh, the primary purpose being to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers, uh, hasn't that become, I mean, we know what the tradition says, but hasn't that also become more inclusive as years have gone by? Well, you know, again, there's two sides to the debate. Uh, One side says, you know, alcoholics need to be working with alcoholics. Meth addicts need to be working with meth addicts. Uh, crack addicts need to be working with crack addicts. Heroin addicts need to be working with heroin addicts. And there's there's that side of the debate. Uh, but then there's other there's other fellowships that uh, that are not uh, you know not as interested in upholding that type of a, a, a structure. And they're they're much they're much more open. You know, uh, in the step book, the step book is is defining uh, the tradition as as it applies to Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, and you know I think I think to a degree this makes uh, makes a lot of a lot of sense. Sure. I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell a story that, that happened to me. I, I'm in treatment, uh, and basically I don't think it's any any uh, secret. Uh, alcoholism really is what uh, what took me down in a really really bad way. So I had signed myself into a treatment center in early 1989, and uh, they had, you know, whenever, whenever a, a process is struggling for money, whenever a treatment modality is struggling for money, what they'll do is they'll put you in group uh, because they can put 15 people in, in one uh, room, and they only need to pay one person to watch you. <laughs> you know, so, so I was in group like, you know, seven times a day. And there were different people who would uh, facilitate those groups. And one of them was an alcoholic, and he could look at me, and he could tell whether 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 I was uh, you know whether I was being honest or not. He could just look right through me, and he, he knew he knew when I was uh, you know when I was spinning a yarn, and he knew when I was being honest. He just he had that capacity. He he also knew exactly what I was going through because he would vocalize that. And then there was another person in there who identified herself as an adult child of an alcoholic. And, and you know, I now know what that is. Back then, I had no idea what that was. And I thought it very strange that you would start talking by announcing that you're an adult child of an alcoholic. You know, I'm an adult child of a librarian, but I don't start my sentences with that. You know? <laughs> so I, didn't, I didn't know what he was talking about. But I knew she... I knew she didn't understand the first thing about me. That that was uh, that was apparent from you know the first time she she talked to me. I remember one time she looks at me and she goes, "Now wait a minute, wait, you know I'm I'm you know I'm raving about something, you know I just you you know, you know how you know how you are when you're new. I'm I'm having some hard time about something and I'm going on and on and on." She stops me. And she goes, "She goes, Chris, 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 wait, 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 but let's but let's do this. Let's do this. I'm going to ask you a question." 
and I, I want you to give me an answer. Tell me, tell me, are you happy, mad, sad, or glad? <laughs> I looked at her like she was out of her mind. How in the world, you know, like I'm, I'm raving like a lunatic. I, every emotion known to man is going on in my head. It's like it's like you took every negative emotion and put them in a blender and pushed the ten button. You know, that's what was going on in me. I, 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 happy man center. I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't even comprehend the question. You know, and uh, only a non-alcoholic would have asked me something so, so you know, yeah. silly. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, try, trying to fight alcoholism with 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 uh, with psychodynamics or whatever that was is like trying to stop a semi with a cobweb. And and at least Charlie, the alcoholic counselor, understood that. You know, he didn't play silly games like that. So. I believe I believe that when someone is reaching out to and we're reaching out for help and so and someone is there to help us, it, it's better for that person to understand experientially what we're going through. Not that they've read textbooks about it and they got their MSW, you know, at some online university, but that they've been in the trenches, that they've been down that particular. Uh, uh, wrote themselves. Yeah. That's those are the people who can really affect us. You know, it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, uh, uh, alcoholics can help other alcoholics when no one else can. And I believe that. And to a degree, I believe that uh that cocaine addicts can help other cocaine addicts where alcoholics might might misunderstand the whole situation, you know? Sure. Uh, it, 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 it's kind of a different set of dynamics, that addiction. And, and Monty, the only people that will tell you a drug is a drug is a drug is a treatment center that only has one van. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm writing that down. I've kind of soapboxed a little. You, do you you want to you want to talk about anything before we get reading? No, that that's good. That's a great segue. <laughs> All right, go ahead, buddy. All right, okay. We're going to start now. We're reading from uh, the text Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, page one fifty. Tradition five: Each group has but one primary purpose: to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Shoemaker, stick to thy last. Better do one thing supremely well than many badly. This is the central theme of this tradition. Around it, our society gathers in unity. The very life of our fellowship requires the preservation of this principle. Alcoholics Anonymous can be likened to a group of physicians who might find a cure for cancer and upon whose concentrated work would depend uh, the answer for sufferers of this disease. True, each physician in such a group might have his own specialty. Every doctor concerned would at times wish he could devote himself to his chosen field rather than work only with the group. But once these men had hit upon a cure, once it became apparent that only by their united effort could this be accomplished, then all of them would feel bound to devote themselves solely to the relief of cancer. In the radiance of such a miraculous discovery, any doctor would set his other ambitions aside at whatever personal cost. Excuse me, that is a great story, Monty. You know, if we, if 20 of us figured out that uh, we, we couldn't do this by ourselves, but, uh, but we've, 
combined, we have the resources that we could muster together to find a cure for cancer. That's what we would be about. We would we would seclude ourselves. We you know we take a leave of absence from everything else, and we would bear down. And this would be the most important thing that we could possibly think of because of the amount of uh, suffering that uh, you would end up sure. uh, relieving. So, you know, he's, he, Bill Wilson, a lot of times, I used to think that his, sometimes his examples were a little bit off base. I, I believe now that they're brilliant examples because I've kind of examined each of them, and they're just so perfect, and this one, this one is perfect, too. Just as firmly bound by obligation are the members of Alcoholics Anonymous who have demonstrated that they can help problem drinkers as others seldom can. The unique ability of each AA to identify himself with and bring recovery to the newcomer in no way depends upon his learning, eloquence, or any special individual skills. The only thing that matters is that he is an alcoholic who has found a key to sobriety. These legacies of suffering and of recovery are easily passed among alcoholics one to the other. This is our gift from God, and it is bestowed upon others like us uh, is the one aim that today animates AAs all around the globe. There's another reason for this signalness of purpose. It is the great paradox of AA that we know we can seldom keep the precious gift of sobriety unless we give it away. If a group of doctors possessed a cancer cure, they might be conscience-stricken if they failed their mission through self-seeking. Yet such a failure wouldn't jeopardize their personal survival. For us, if we neglect those who are still sick, there is unremitting danger to our own lives and sanity. Under these compulsions of self-preservation, duty, and love, is it not strange that our society has concluded that it has but one high mission, to carry the AA message to those who don't know there's a way out? Uh, singleness of purpose, uh, primary purpose, singleness of purpose. Uh, I understand this today. Uh, in in uh, certainly in Alcoholics Anonymous, again, I was talking about other twelve-step fellowships, maybe not having such uh, a high level of uh, of uh, need. They don't see a high level of need to follow this. But uh, but in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, they've found through much trial and error that alcoholics work better with other alcoholics. Now, you know, in the last 30 years or so, Monty, it's very rare that you're going to get, in Alcoholics Anonymous, it's very rare that you're going to get just a plain old alcoholic. You know, somebody that hasn't had problems with other uh, other substances. Probably 95% of the people that show up in Alcoholics Anonymous have had problems with sedatives or, or cocaine or opiates uh, or prescription medication or something like that. You, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, now uh, I, I think what's important, I think what's important for each person is to thine own self be true. What are you truly powerless over? What is their first and what is their last? Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell another story. I'll tell another story that might uh, explain this. There's this one time uh, I'm doing some 12-step work with uh, with somebody, and we had put this guy in two or three different rehabs over the past five years to try to get him sober. He he was a he was a mess. What would happen was, you know, he would he would uh, disappear for three or four days uh, somewhere in New York City, and then come come home and he'd be really beat up. It'd be like a cocaine run and all this stuff. And and he he'd go to places where you really shouldn't go. You, you, 
you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. houses of houses of ill repute. Let, let, me, <laughs> let me put it that way. Now I'm on the, I'm on the phone with a, with an admissions uh, counselor, and I'm I'm trying to get him into this place, and she goes, put him on the phone. She talks to him for a minute and a half, and says, put Chris back on the phone. I get back on the phone. She goes, she goes, dummy. His primary addiction, he's got a sex addiction. That's his primary addiction. Yes, it looks like he's going out on these cocaine benders, but cocaine, cocaine is part of his primary, which is a sex addiction. So this time we sent him to a treatment center that specialized in sex addiction, and he's been fine ever since. He really wasn't a cocaine addict. Mm. He, was, he used the cocaine in his... It is acting out, you know, these, these, uh, these, these, these sex things. Right. And, 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 you know, listen, he's, he's in church now and he's, he's in therapy and he's completely changed his life around. And substances never were his big problem. And it, but, but it looked like they were. Now, now that's just one little story, but I think, I think we need to be true to ourselves. What, really are we? Are, are we an opiate addict? Are we an alcoholic? What is it that we're truly powerless over? What do the other things always bring us to? You know what I mean? Interesting. You may, you may, you may pick up a beer, you know, and, and call that the beginning of your, your relapse, but end up back on heroin or end up back on cocaine. You, you know, what do the other things always bring you to? Because you can be powerless over drugs, but you can be an alcoholic. Or you can be powerless over alcohol, and you can be a drug addict. You, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? I, I think we need to know what the real deal is. Do you think, uh, Chris, do you, do you think that... Um, People deep down inside, I mean, sometimes you need help to, to bring that stuff out to discover in the discovery process. But do you think that people deep down inside really do know what it is and it's just too shameful to talk about, whatever it may be? You know, it, it, sometimes, if it's, sometimes if it's sex or something like that, I, I think that's a real difficult one. But, but Monty, it's, it's about asking the right questions. You know, yeah. we, we know, we know the questions to ask when you, when you start working with somebody new, whether they're an alcoholic or not, and you're, and you're qualifying them for step one, you know, the questions to ask, you know, if, you know, uh, fill in the blank, uh, fill in the blank of this sentence. When I use blank, I find I have little or no control over the amount I take once I start, you know. When I try to stay away from blank, I find that, that almost no matter what, I end up putting it back in my body. It's only a matter of time. Right. So, you know, fill, fill, in, fill in those, those blanks. And, and, and understand that a lot of things might be around the periphery. But, uh, but uh, you know, if you're, in a, if you're in a support group, if, if, you're, if you're an alcoholic, let's say, and you're, you're in an AA meeting, and half of the meeting are, are, are crack addicts, and you, you walk off the street, and really all you are is an alcoholic, and you sit down and you start hearing about uh, people tweaking and about, you know, burning their lips off with the pipe, and you're an alcoholic, you're going you're gonna to be going, what the hell? I'm not like these people. And you might, you might walk out, you might leave, and you might not be able to survive that. 
You know what sure, I'm saying? Sure. So, so I think I think that it's not about being exclusive. It's about being as inclusive as you can be, so that uh, that the people can identify and see that there's there's hope there. So many people leave before uh, the miracle. You know, there's yeah. so many people that walk out of the twelve step meetings before before the miracle happens. And you want to you want to cut down on that as as much as possible. You bet. Uh, highlighting the wisdom of AA's single purpose, a member tells this story. Restless one day, I felt I'd better do some 12-step work. Maybe I should take out some insurance against the slip. But first, I'd have to find a drunk to work on. So I hopped the subway to Towns Hospital where I asked Dr. Silkworth if he had a prospect. Nothing too promising, the little doc said. He's just one chap on the third floor who might be a possibility. But he's an awfully tough Irishman. I never saw a man so obstinate. <laughs> he shouts that if his par- partner would treat him better and his wife would leave him alone, he'd soon solve his alcohol problem. He's had a bad case of the DTs, he's pretty foggy, and he's very suspicious of everybody. Don't sound too good, does it? Uh, but working with him may do something for you, so why don't you have a go at it? I was soon sitting behind a big hulk of a man. Decidedly unfriendly, he stared at me out of the eyes which were slits in his red and swollen face. I had to agree with the doctor. He certainly didn't look good. But I told him my own story. I explained what a wonderful fellowship we had, how well we understood each other. I bore down hard on the hopelessness of the drunk's dilemma. I insisted that few drunks could ever get well on their own steam, but that in our groups we could do together what we could not do separately. He interrupted the scoff at this and asserted he'd fixed his wife, his partner, and his alcoholism by himself. Sarcastically, he asked, how much does your scheme cost? I was thankful I could tell him nothing at all. His next question, what are you getting out of it? Of course, my answer was, my own sobriety and a mighty happy life. Still dubious, he demanded, do you really mean the only reason you are here is to try and help me and to help yourself? Yes, I said, that's absolutely all there is to it. There's no angle. Then hesitantly, I ventured to talk about the spiritual side of the program. What a freeze that drunk gave me. I got, uh, I'd no sooner got the word spiritual out of my mouth than he bounced. Oh, he said, now I get it. You're proselytizing for some damn religious sect or other. Where did you get that no-angle stuff? I belong to a great church that means everything to me. You've got a nerve to come in here talking religion. Thank heaven I came up with the right answer for that one. It was based foursquare on the single purpose of AA. You have faith, I said, perhaps far deeper faith than mine. No doubt you're better taught in religious matters than I so I can't tell you anything about religion. I don't even want to try. I'll bet, too, that you could give me a letter-perfect definition of humility. But from what you've told me about yourself and your problems and how you propose to lick them, I think I know what's wrong. Okay, he said, give me the business. Well, I said, I think you're just a conceited Irishman who thinks he can run the whole show. (laughs) This really rocked him. But as he calmed down, he began to listen while I tried to show him that humility was the main key to sobriety. Finally, he saw that I wasn't attempting to change his religious views, that I wanted him to find the grace in his own religion that would aid his recovery. From there on, we got along fine. Now, concludes the old-timer, suppose I'd been obliged to talk to this man on religious grounds. Suppose my answer had to be that AA needed a lot of money, that AA went in for education, hospitals, and rehabilitation. Suppose I'd suggested that I'd take a hand in his domestic and business affairs. Where would we have wound up? No place, of course. Years later, this tough, tough Irish customer liked to say, my sponsor sold me on one idea, and that was sobriety. At the time, I couldn't have bought anything else. 
Interesting. That's, kind of, that, that's a very, very interesting story. I, 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 like, I like the part where, uh, where he says, you can find the grace within your own religion. I really, I really like that. Because, you know, Monty, I've said before that every time I go through these, these readings, something else sticks, sticks its head up at me. And, and that's, the thing that, uh, that's the thing that stuck up for me uh, this time through that story. Uh, you know, many, many of us have, uh, have religious beliefs. Uh, uh, Monty, you yourself were, uh, were, a, you were a, a very, very avid uh, church member and believer. Uh, prior to coming into Alcoholics Anonymous, if I remember your story. Yes, right. you're right. You're correct. Now, if, if somebody was going to try to turn you away from your religion, saying, no, 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 you know, the, the main show has to be uh, this particular 12-step, uh, you know, they might have lost you. Right. So, so I think singleness of purpose can, all, can also be, let's not get involved in anything except what we need to talk about. Uh, to get sober or to get clean, you know, we're we're not going to get involved in politics. We're not going to get involved in, in any any of those outside issues. You know, there's a there's a singleness of purpose to this particular twelve step fellowship and twelve step program, and let's just let's just concentrate uh, on this. And there's there's freedom for belief and freedom for a lot of other different things uh, as we as we move forward. Uh, I like Mason to chime in on here because I, I know he can identify with this a lot. Uh, which part? The uh, About not approaching you with, with you got to believe this way or that way. Well, yeah, that would have turned me off immediately. I wouldn't have been sponsored by you for one. Um, and we're not working together now, but I mean, that was my first when you were first encounters. In, yeah. yeah. Um, I've experienced a lot through many different, you know, I mean, it was higher power was the concept. That was what worked for me at the time. I didn't know, you know, I'd been, you know, um, really, my ex-girlfriend was a uh, physicist uh, or major. So uh spent a lot of time in, you know, science. And yeah, we had Monty's God, which didn't work for me at the time, you know. And it was, it was good. It was good, you know. I mean, he really uh, brought a light to it with saying, you know, you don't have to come up with your own anything, you know, just kind of sit there and w- would you be willing to believe at all? And I and I still kind of thought no. I said no, probably. And then he's, uh, well, would you be willing to believe if something were to show, possibly show itself to you whatsoever? And I was like, yeah, that sounds all right, you know. And that kind of developed my faith. For now, I've been involved in many, many, many different types of uh, of the same faith, different sects of the same faith. It's a, a, a lot of uh, adventures, explore, you know, mm-hmm. exploring my own personal um convictions now and they're very 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 strong i mean it would have not worked any other way yeah but if i had come to you and said said all right you need to believe in the judeo-christian god today otherwise i'm not going to work with you um or you need to believe in this particular philosophy or i'm not going to work with you yeah i got pretty ticked off at wade when he's like you know this is judeo-christian this is what it's from and it's like well you know looking at the past there's a lot of a lot of the same stuff in a lot of religion. So it didn't matter to me what religion it was from. I didn't care. I knew there's mm-hmm. good stuff in the Bible. I knew there's good stuff in Buddhism. There's good stuff everywhere. I didn't know what was real. So I didn't right. I didn't care. I mean, I was agnostic. Yeah. Well you were actually you were you were pretty much atheist and then Oh yeah. Kind and then of came, and you went slow, yeah. slow conversion to to uh, atheist to agnostic. To to agnostic, yeah. 
and then you've grown from there by leaps and bounds. But it's been something that's been your timing and God's timing. And oh, it's by yeah. far it's only God. All I have to do is be obedient. The rest of it's all on God's timing. None of it's none of this is because of me. I can't tell you yeah. how much of that is true. Yeah, right on, right on. Um, yeah, I think I think you know the, the singleness of purpose uh, and and what 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 you two were just talking about. I, I think I think we need to leave the door wide enough open so it doesn't slam shut on anybody. God will do God's work, right? You know, you know what I mean. What we don't want to do is we don't want to alienate somebody. Uh, uh, we don't want to alienate somebody before the miracle can start to happen with them. You know, sometimes uh, I work with a lot of people, and I work with a lot of people who work with a lot of people. And so often they call me up and they're frustrated because of the person's lack of forward momentum spiritually. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, I'm like, look, we're, we're, you know, what we're responsible for? We're responsible for uh, uh, placing the kid of spiritual tools at their feet. We're, we're responsible for uh, being supportive, and sometimes, sometimes carrying carrying the message to them, and sometimes carrying them to the message. Uh, you yeah. Know, and i, I got to tell you, one of the things it asks us to do in step three is to stop playing God. Right. Stop, stop trying to be the burning bush telling Moses what to believe. <laughs> uh, you, you know, that's not our job sometimes. So, uh, so again, let's, let's get them in and let's save, let's save their life, and then you watch people come to believe. Uh, I love seeing somebody come to believe. You know, that's that's a process. And sometimes it happens a little different than maybe it did with me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay I'm okay with that, too. I think, I think we have to have a relationship with God. We have to have a, an experiential relationship with God. I, I truly yep. believe that that's what, that's what we need. Uh, let me switch gears from the spiritual here and go, go a little to the political side. Uh, the so-called political correctness. <laughs> Mason, Mason's going, <laughs> uh, um, about this tradition. We've talked before at length about how traditions can be uh, used as weapons and uh, or, or justification for this or that or to back somebody's opinion about this or that. Um, that was the only reason why I said you, by the way, was pe- people, not the tradition. Right, right. Yeah, I know. Uh here is something, and, and this is, I, I get people asking me to ask you questions about things like this, so that's why I'm doing this. Um, in in a situation, uh, just give you an example of a closed meeting. Now, for those of you who are listening and don't know what a closed meeting is in Alcoholics Anonymous, a closed meeting is a meeting that is deemed for people who are alcoholics um, or have the desire to stop drinking within the meeting. Correct, Chris? Yeah, in, in any 12-step fellowship, a closed meeting is for people who identify themselves uh, with kind of the title of the meeting. Right, <laughs> right, an NA exactly. Meeting, I'm an addict. If it's an AA meeting, I'm an alcoholic. So here's the story of a guy who, who uh, walks into a closed meeting, and he doesn't know what he is. He knows that he, he does know one thing. He knows that he drinks way too much, and he's always getting into trouble when he drinks. Now, you and I and Mason know that non-alcoholics can get into trouble when they drink. It happens all the time. Uh, sure. But he is definitely sick and tired of, of what's going on, and the only suggestion that's ever been given to him is, why don't you try Alcoholics Anonymous? So he walks into a closed meeting, 
And somebody, and, and this is a true story, by the way, somebody asks him when he walks in, are you an alcoholic? And he says, I don't know. And he says, well, if you don't know, then you need to leave because this is a closed meeting. Now, my response to wow. that, my response wow. to that was, oh, I know. Oh, man. My, my, you know, Monty, I've got to jump in. This, this is, remember I've talked about uh, Tradition 1, you know, really, really being important. And you, you, have, to, you have to be able to, to see the forest and not just, uh, not just line yourself up with one tree. Uh, right. You know, our primary purpose is to carry the message to those still suffering. Okay, if someone doesn't know they're they're an alcoholic, I you know I I I was in treatment and I went all the way through treatment and still didn't know what an alcoholic even was. Uh, I mean, it took me it took me probably a, probably a year after seriously trying to get better, going going to support group meetings, trying to get better before I even figured out what. What an alcoholic is. Uh, you know yeah. I mean, I, I thought an alcoholic was somebody that drank too much. Look, right. You can drink too much <laughs> and not be and not be an alcoholic. You know, it's a whole different. It, it's a more. It's a more complicated thing than that. So here's here's what you do when somebody comes in and and they look like they've been they're walking off a battlefield and they say they don't know. A couple of experienced group members take this person into another room and qualify him and explain to him what an alcoholic is and then say, you are welcome with us if that person really uh-huh. is an alcoholic. You know, that, that, that's what you do. You don't shame somebody. You know, you, you're, you, you know it, 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 it's more important for you to protect yourself from being in a meeting with a non-alcoholic. If you've got to protect yourself against that, and that's more important than possibly helping one, you know, that's a, that's a problem between you and your sponsor, if you even have one. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, you know what, I mean? I, I, what I see is when people do this, my experience is that that the people that kind of do pull this kind of number on, on other people, it has nothing to do with them wanting to share something that they only want to share with an alcoholic. They've just got this power trip thing going. And truth be known, they just want to control the meeting. And, and it's usually the same person or persons. Um, we had an incident one time where a person came in with a family member to a closed meeting. And the person the person was an alcoholic, but the family member was not. But this person wasn't going to stay in that meeting for anybody unless their wife was sitting there next to him, holding on to him tightly. And my statement was, when this other gentleman said, you know, she's not an alcoholic, so she needs to leave. My statement was, wait a minute, doesn't our primary purpose trump everything? Absolutely, uh, you're absolutely right. You know what the, the appropriate thing to do is? Is, is an exper- the experienced leader, hopefully you have somebody chairing the, the, the meeting who's experienced, they call a quick group conscience to open the meeting up for, for, for one time only. That's what you do. And you know what? Who's going to raise their hand against it? Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. I, I'll make a case for it. Let's, let's, say, let's go back to that story about the guy who, who threw the guy out or told the guy to leave who didn't know. Yeah. I, would, I could make a case right now, Monty, that the person who threw the other guy out is not an alcoholic, and the person that didn't know was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And the reason why I say that is, 
is if you aren't about the business of helping other alcoholics, if that's not part of your inner nature and you're an alcoholic, you're not going to survive. Yeah, yeah, truer words cannot be spoken. The problem, the problem isn't the problem isn't that guy. The problem is is there's tons of non-alcoholics in AA meetings, and there's tons of non-drug addicts in in in, uh, in the NA and CA meetings. And a lot of times they don't have to do what other people do. They don't understand what other, what other people's experience is. And a lot of times they just out they they survive. They stay there year after year after year and just continue to cause trouble. And they're so stupid they don't even know they're not an alcoholic and they're, they're in the wrong place. It, it's it's it really gets it gets me it gets me upset sometimes because I, I know of the damage that's done. Yes, of the damage that's done. Yeah, absolutely. Um. In the situation with the wife and 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 the the, uh, uh, the gentleman, uh, it's interesting because you you said take a, a group conscious one time only thing. Um, in this situation, and I I didn't know this for years. I was in service work for years before I ever realized this. Was that there were two schools of thought with some some fellowships. There was the group conscience, which was decided on in the business meeting. That ought never be changed until the next business meeting. And then there was groups that allowed to have a group conscience at the spur of the moment. Never shall either one of those mix was the, uh, was, was the tone of this particular meeting. So they couldn't take a group conscience because group conscience was decided on at the business meeting and was in the bylaws. And I thought, you know, that is such a... Bu- that is, you said it right when carrying the message trumps everything. Uh, carrying yes. the message trumps everything. It uh, does. It, it does. That's our primary purpose, uh, is to carry the, the message. The primary purpose. It, it's, it's, it's more important than stupid bylaws. It's more important than traditions, okay, at certain times. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying we should ignore traditions at will. Uh, I'm just saying that if, if, that's, if that's part of the group's charter, to only have, only be able to call group consciences, and it's getting in the way of making a decision which will hurt, which will help somebody. Then, then, then you, you know that that's 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 wrong. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, groups uh, like that will do uh, an annual group inventory, and it'll give, it'll give the members a chance to talk about things like that, talk about mistakes that are made in the past. And maybe change some things around so that it will work better. Always remembering what the primary purpose is. Now, now uh, let's dig a little deeper here, and let's go back to the steps here. Um, the primary purpose: carry the message. Some people are listening and they're thinking, "I'm confused. What is the message?" That's an that's an often <laughs> mistaken thing I've seen. People think they have. Yeah, okay, I'll let you go, money. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, fine, Mason. Because well, here's here's some here's some bad news for you. There's a there's a uh, a person I know who was a, a delegate uh, in the Northeast, uh, and he he wrote in to the the General Service Office, and and the question was, you know, we keep talking about primary, we we keep keep talking about carrying the messages, you know, the primary purpose, carry the message. Could you please define what the message is? And you never got a response. Never got a response. Wow. Finally, finally, there was like a letter-writing campaign saying, will you please respond? You need to respond. This is an important topic. And here's what the response was. The message is anything your group wants it to be. 
That's not, oh what, it, my that's not what it was, though. That's not what it was. <laughs> is as that far as I've been... horrible or what? You know, uh, oh, 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 you know, that, that's just that's just beyond belief. But let me tell you what the, the message is. The message of a spiritual awakening exactly. as a result of the twelve steps. That's what the message is. Yeah. Nothing it's it's not oh go to meetings. It's fun to go to meetings. That, that's not the message. Oh you should have a you should have a commitment. You should be the cookie guy. That's <laughs> the message. The message is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. That's what the message is. Anybody that, that thinks different is is way off way off way off track and and probably doesn't have any true recovery experience. Yeah, that yeah. last comment was funny and sad at the same time. I mean, I really it, it hurts, <laughs> but I mean it's comical because I've seen it so often that I can't help but just laugh. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It, it, I remember it's sad. There was one time when I shared that I was actually you know I didn't want to share because I didn't I'm kind of quiet and reserved didn't want to you know anger people but you know when I was asked you know it was just what well, was primary you know or it was about um um carrying the message and it was uh you know and I said it's you know the message of the spiritual awakening was the you know primary message and that really really you could see in people's eyes that made a few people like not that, very happy yeah it was all yeah. right though I mean it was it was a good day. Yeah, it was a good day. <laughs> nah, I had fun. It was oh. good. You know, God was with me. Yeah. And always, I mean, he's still, but you know. Yeah, that's great, Mason. That's great. Well, uh, next week is Tradition 6, and uh, it reads, An AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose, which we just discussed. Wait, that is a mouthful. Um, boy, a, a lot of questions there for uh, for you next week, uh, Chris. Uh, what is a related facility? What's an outside enterprise? And that kind of thing. And, of course, sure. everybody's got an opinion about that. Um, but I, I, I think we'll be able to clarify that for people. Uh, thank you, Chris, for another great show, my friend. All right. It has been uh, a, a wonderful experience. Thank you, Mason, for joining my pleasure. us uh, 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 this week here. Thanks at for having me. Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 traditions with uh, Chris Schroeder. It's, it's, it's always a lot of fun, and it's always great. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man, along with Chris Schroeder and Mason, and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye. That's the- this has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Yeah.